Have you ever heard a joke that on one level is funny and on another level is a bit unsettling? So there is a priest, a minister, and a rabbi. They are talking about the question of when life begins. The priest says, I believe, I believe that life begins at conception. That's the moment of quickening. The potential of life is right there. The minister says, I believe that life begins when the fetus becomes viable in the womb. The rabbi says, I'm sorry to differ with you. I'm afraid you both have it wrong. Life begins when the children move out, the dog dies, and the mortgage is paid off. (laughs) Humor often gets at that point where, where there is a truthfulness, but you're saying something in a joke like that that doesn't quite bear saying in the politest of company. Now, indeed, you are polite company. No, no, aspersions intended. But humor often gets at what cannot quite be said. And yet is said. If you were to reflect on your own life, your own experience of life, when would you say your life truly began? Or has it? There's an author, he he wrote a book called Conversations with God. He has a a one-liner that's rather telling. Uh, The line is this, life begins, life begins outside your comfort zone. As a catalytic saying, it's good. Raising some questions, it's good. Moving us a bit, it's good. And yet... People who are therapeutic body workers talk about outside, beyond the comfort zone. And note that there are layers beyond the comfort zone. You see, our bodies, our our emotions, our, our spirits, they're all sensitive, exquisitely intelligent. And beyond our comfort zone, there is indeed the danger zone. The danger zone is so important. The danger zone sends us warnings because if we don't heed the danger zone, we then reach the breaking point. But between our comfort zone and the danger zone, there's an in-between zone right in there. Body workers will call that the area of therapeutic stretch. Therapeutic stretch just beyond our comfort zone, but not yet in the danger zone. Theologians will talk about that area of therapeutic stretch using a different word. They call it liminal space or the space in between. The space between the now and the not yet. The space between who we have been and who we will be. Life again and again delivers us into liminal space. We leave behind what we have known. We we graduate or we retire or one who is beloved to us dies. 
So the life that we have known, we can live no longer. Something more is coming, and yet we don't know quite what. We're in that space between who we are and the fullness of what God would have for us. Therapeutic stretch, liminal space. Jesus put it this way. I came that you might have life. I trust you know the rest of the phrase. I came that you may have life and may have life abundantly. Could you say that word robustly like you mean it with me? That one word, abundantly. Oh, thanks be to God. It is my hope that during this time of sabbatical that you might have experienced some therapeutic stretch. Perhaps a bit beyond the comfort zone. And if there are some things that just did not work, just did not speak to you of God, let them go. And yet, if there was something during this period, which continues for two more weeks, truth be told, if there was something during the sabbatical period that spoke to you of life, life more abundantly in Christ, thanks be to God, let that be the harvest that continues onward. Strikingly, as we attempted to be in that, that therapeutic stretch, that word therapy, that, that, uh, that word therapy has Greek Roots. Therapeo is the, the Greek word. And, and Jesus spent so much of his ministry being about a kind of therapy, healing body and soul. And so Jesus stands up in the synagogue that day and he announces the year of the Lord's favor. Thanks be to God. Good news for the poor. Release to the prisoners. Recovery of sight. Healing for the blind. Astonishing. Surely this was good news for all who were oppressed. And yet, someone said, I'm not sure, someone said, all true vocation arouses hatred. A lynch mob formed and wanted to come and take Jesus and throw him literally off the cliff for what he said. Jesus is not quite so careful with our comfort zones. When we hear God speak to us, it takes us where we do not know, into this wide, wild, wider world. These beautiful, these beautiful stained glass windows are intended to open, if you will, open into the wider world. These images of beauty, if they work effectively, they remind us of the saints, biblical and beyond who went into the world to love and serve and bid us to do likewise. In a few moments, we'll be doing some harvesting and listening to one another about how this sabbatical spoke to us. I, I hope it's the beginning of a conversation that might continue immediately following worship downstairs. I hope it's the beginning of some prayers for you personally as you harvest the sabbatical time. I hope it's, 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 uh, it's a prayerful time in these next few weeks as you consider in the coming months how you want to harvest 
for the years anew, the, these new years, this new chapter in the life of Chevy Chase Presbyterian Church. Thank you for investing in the sabbatical. Personally investing, and thank you for your support of your senior pastor, the Reverend Molly Blythe Tykert, going as well on sabbatical. Sabbaticals help build healthy congregations and healthy long-term pastors. A few of you have asked me about what I'll be doing next, and to share that in brief scope, I'm in the midst of a three-year program to earn a master's degree in acupuncture. Because it's that, that juncture of ministry and healing, it's that sweet spot where I feel called. I'd be glad to share more with you outside of the sermon about, about that if you're interested. Acupuncture practiced well is a, a medicine of, of intimacy attending to this patient, this person, in this moment, what's needed right now. It's a medicine that addresses explicitly body, mind, and spirit. Two weeks ago, I had the opportunity, I, I sought out the opportunity to attend a conference that was happening at Johns Hopkins University. It's an annual meet, meeting called Christian Connections in International Health. And I had not realized it, but Johns Hopkins University, and especially those who founded the School of Public Health, have a family background in being medical missionaries. People come the world around to attend this conference, and part of my sense of calling is around medical missions, so I wanted to go and learn. One of the panels was on... on uh, ministry with children and uh, with families. And so there was a, a panel of people who were, I'm going to say about 30, that were reflecting on their own lives growing up and what their families had done well in raising them. And many of them were missionary kids themselves. All were Christian. And they spoke genuinely, glowingly of their experience. Now I remember a, a moment ago uh, how we heard Jesus' words and, and, and how people responded to them, some warmly and some not in favor of what he said at all. But Jesus spoke truthfully. There's a Quaker educator named Parker Palmer, and uh, Josh, you were saying that you are a teacher. I think you might appreciate this line in particular. Parker Palmer says to teach is to create a space in which obedience to truth is practiced. So it's worth revisiting Jesus' mandate uh, around healing and release of prisoners, for it was his personal mandate, and perhaps as well the mandate for the church. And we live in a time when our federal government, if not our nation, is, is riven, rent asunder around questions of what constitutes health care and criminality and criminal justice. And yet Jesus gave his first public speech around exactly these things. So returning to this panel, at the end of the panel, there was a question and answer time, and one of the people in the conference stood up, raised a, raised a hand, asked a question, and said to the panelist, you've spoken so glowingly of your families. Surely there must have been something you wish your parents had done differently. <laughs> could you speak to that? And you could see the panelists squirm. 
one of the women spoke. She now lives in the United States, came to the United States as a college student, is United Methodist, originally from Uganda. And she said, in my family growing up, there were three of us biological children, and yet there were always more children around. So many children, in fact, that it wasn't until I came to the United States that I had my own bed. We used to sleep a bit like sardines in a can, stacked so that the head of one would be by the feet of the next to maximize the amount of space on the bed. She said, in our household, our, the children of our family always ate last always bothered me, she said. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I had the courage to ask my mom about it. And this is what my mom said. She said, my children are my responsibility. But not only my children. These other children are my responsibility too. Well, yes, mom, but, but why did you always have us eat last? Her mom said, because you're my children, and I could not bear the thought of you not having something to eat. So I knew if I fed you last, everybody would get something to eat. Leaving the conference that afternoon, driving out of Baltimore, it's a city that is festooned with a number of murals. There was a particularly striking mural, a solid tone in the background, somber. A large single face, a young man looking out with piercing large mural eyes so that any passerby could not avoid his gaze. And there was one large word emblazoned there. The word was survival. Just a few blocks beyond it, a much smaller mural was there, a heart with wings. And it said, pray for our children. And it reminded me of what Chevy Chase Presbyterian Church is all about. In the threefold mission statement, the, the middle part of it is children are blessing. And if our hearts are just large enough, we see the children here as our blessing. Yes. We see the young people who came forward for commissioning for Broad Street Ministry this summer, 14 of them, I believe, going to serve in Philadelphia, serving other children of God. That is children, our blessing. And as this congregation moves into some long-range planning this autumn, it is my prayer and my hope for you that children are blessing may guide you in your vision, your calling, your love, your hope into the future. Children, by the way, aren't chronologically young necessarily. Blessed be we are children of God. So in speaking of uh, uh, bless our children, and children are a blessing, yes, we want to make younger ones a priority, and, and 
the children of God are people of all ages. May our love be as beautiful and expansive as that Ugandan mom. God bless you, and thank you for the honor of being here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you join me for a brief word of prayer? God, we give you thanks that you speak and speak and speak yet again. As you speak to us, grant us understanding. And as you grant us understanding, so help us live with abundant and joyful love for all your children. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen.